This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard. In this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Patrick DuPont. Patrick was born in Louisiana and then later moved on to Texas. He also is a self-confessed music nerd. And after high school, he spent a year on the road with a rock band where he discovered that it was not a glamorous lifestyle. Welcome, Dr. DuPont. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you as a guest. And tonight, our focus is going to be about discovering and transitioning through career pathways as more mature adults. And we met through an online cohort from Abilene Christian University in the doctoral program. So I think it's very fitting for us to talk about the challenges that we face as more mature adults transitioning into different job areas. I'd like to hear what your comment is about that. I have been committed for quite a while to being a lifelong learner. And it's one of the things I tried to impress upon my students because I went back at age 50 to work on my master's and uh, finished that a few years later. And then I started teaching. And that's one of the things I really tried to impress upon my students. And my students, I should say, were taking the prerequisites in the healthcare professions. So I tried to stress upon them that in the healthcare professions, continuing education, lifelong learning is a central concept. You just have to do it. And so I used my experience in that kind of as a guideline for them on the premise that, well, if that old guy can do it, I bet I can too. And I think sometimes when we're students, we think, oh, I graduated high school, so now I'm done, or I've graduated college, and I'm done, and I'm going to go into the workforce. And so that formal education aspect of it is over with, you know, and then it's just kind of like on the job training. But what you're talking about is that mindset of being a lifelong learner and I applaud you for being brave, going back to school, getting a master's degree at age 50, because I think we both found out in that doctoral program, it's hard. And especially like for myself, I hadn't been in formal classes for a long time. And so taking those first classes, that was difficult. Personal, what was it? Personal development was our first class or (laughs) self-leadership. That was it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was... uh... Growing up as a college student in the 70s, we heard horror stories about doctoral programs. Uh, What a torturous process the dissertation work was, and then the dissertation defense. uh, They might as well have told me they were going to chain me to a a pole and flog me with a horse whip, because that's, that's the kind of impression I had with it. My actual experience while the academic rigor was everything I expected, the helpfulness of the faculty and the design of the program for student success was a huge relief. So that they definitely facilitated the process of my staying with the program and finishing. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing a mini commercial for ACU right here saying, yeah, because I well, think we, <laughs> we did have very enthusiastic supporting faculty helping us along on this journey. Yes, they Mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. My fellows in the cohort, the same. Absolutely. supportive. Absolutely. So your background is in nursing as a nurse anesthetist? Nurse anesthetist, yes. Okay. And so then 
presently you're teaching that topic. Is that correct? No, I'm not. Actually, I did for about 15 years when I was in practice. I taught in the operating room supervising students and I taught in the classroom and I was a clinical coordinator. So I was very involved with two different graduate programs of nurse anesthesia. Now I'm not clinically involved at all. And what I teach are the prerequisites for students trying to get into the healthcare professions. And that's things like anatomy and physiology, medical terminology, pathophysiology, pharmacology, and a survey of health professions uh, that helps uh, young folks try to figure out where it is exactly they want to go with this. Because the opportunities out there are, there's a huge wide spectrum of opportunity. And it's kind of hard for them to just sit down and say, oh, well, I want to be a respiratory therapist. I want to be a radiologic technologist. No, they need help getting through that. And that's one of the things I try to do is help them discern where their talent and their desires lie. Mm -hmm. That's so, actually, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's actually what I did my dissertation on uh, was demonstrating statistically that students who received counseling early on in the process of taking their prerequisites ended up with a higher GPA than students who did not receive counseling. And the crux of that matter is that all of the healthcare prof professions programs where I taught used GPA as their primary criterion for admission. So I was able to demonstrate that statistically significant difference between those two groups and come up with a plan to help students through this. Mm -hmm. And then to help them to succeed in their studies so that they were able to meet that GPA for entrance into programs exactly. leading to these career pathways for? Yes, because um, if, uh, what I found was that students who took, say, a second year program like pathophysiology before they took anatomy and physiology, basic physiology, did not do as well because they were dealing with advanced subject matter without having had the basics. And you would think that would be almost intuitive for counselors or for students to say, oh, well, I've got to take class one before I take class two. But that's not the way it worked, actually. A lot of them were taking the classes out of sequence and it was hurting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would seem that it would make sense to have a sequential program of study it would make sense, but it's not in practice. Yeah. And it, some schools are doing it. Guided Pathways is one of them. So okay. it, it's coming on, but it's, it's not universal yet. So I wanted to go back to our focus topic about transitioning, changing careers as oh. older people. That's okay. Because it sounds to me like you're using your experience as having had transitioned as an older person into a different career pathway and using that knowledge wisdom to help guide younger students in their pathway. So would I be correct in assuming that? Absolutely. It's one of the things I have a heart for is uh, people who have tried a different career or have been parents full-time and they make a decision at a later point in their lives, 
hey, I'm going to go back to school. I, this looks really interesting. This looks really good. I'm going to try this. I've always wanted to be a nurse. I've always wanted to be a, a physician's assistant. And I have a heart for helping those people transition back into the academic environment, because as we know, so much has changed so dramatically. Imagine being just stepping into a time machine after you've you've finished high school in 1974. Right. And then fast forward <laughs> to 2022. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, so much, uh, everything is like digitized now, like records. And yeah. like, even when I went to undergraduate school, you went to the registrar's office and they had to pull your file out. And now they just type it in and look you up by your number, you know, yeah. student ID I number. Standing, I remember standing in line at the gymnasium to register for classes. They had the department right. on the wall, English, you know, <laughs> And you went and you stood in line and you physically signed up. And now mm -hmm. it's like you say, everything's, and it's uh, honestly, it's much better now. Mm -hmm. it's, there's like more organization, I think. What would you say then to more mature adults like us who want to go back to school? Maybe they haven't, maybe they've just been in the workforce, you know, and are deciding now that they want to maybe go back and get an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree? Um, an introductory level class that will get you into this new paradigm of this digitized learning, starting with enrollment. And if you can, take an online class. Take a face-to-face -face class to refamiliarize yourself with that paradigm, but take an online course as well. And an important thing to note about that don't take a short semester course online or actually face-to-face -face because the content is too compact. It's too compressed and it's too much information in too short a time. So take a whole semester course, take your time. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Right. It, because those short fast track classes can be, you said they're too compressed, but it can be overwhelming. And then a person feels like, oh, I can't do this. And then they end up quitting. Let's talk to like the master's people and the doctoral people. What, what kind of advice do you have? Do your homework on the program that you want in terms of, is this the degree you want? And if you can talk to some people who have been through program. And I was very blessed with my experience with ACU because uh, a choir member at the church, at my church, who was a colleague in, in nursing as well, got to talking to me about it. And she was in the program. She said, oh, it's great. You got it. And I checked into it and it was exactly what she said. And so verifying that with someone else is important because you don't want to go lay down a bunch of money to find out that this is a school whose philosophy and maybe theology doesn't concur with yours. Absolutely. And one thing I liked about the ACU program is that I feel like they didn't make us do a, like a whole lot of extra work that wasn't going to be relevant to what, what we were striving for. So Exactly. Mm -hmm. Courses were very well-directed in progression, well-designed content-wise, and moved along in progression. 
I am just so thankful that when I defended my dissertation, my computer worked perfectly. <laughs> I hear you. I was worried about that because I thought, what happens if I lose, you know, connectivity or exactly. something? So. So, you know, what's interesting, it has been almost a year since we were at Wildcat Stadium. And I tell you, that was one of the biggest thrills of my life. I don't know what you were thinking. Maybe you want to go ahead and tell us. Well, um, my son, who is a surgeon, uh, lives in South Dakota. And I called him when I found out that I was actually going to walk, that we were going to have a ceremony. I called him and I said, okay, I watched you walk at junior high, high school, undergrad, medical school, residency. I said, you have to come watch me this time. So, and he did. He flew down and went to graduation with me. And my mom, and my mom was a teacher, career. Her dad, my grandfather, was a school principal uh, in Louisiana. When I was sitting there in the stadium, I just looked up at the crowd and I thought, I need to see my mom and my grandmother and my grandfather up there. I know they're there in spirit. So it was a great experience. That's wonderful. Well, congratulations on completing that program. And it was so great to connect with you tonight. We will have to have another conversation about the dissertation and maybe that process and we can post these little chats on the ACU Facebook page for the cohort and the people that are coming up through the program. I would be happy to share my experience with that because I struggled with the first part of my dissertation and I had I needed to reach out and uh, got a lot of help from Dr. McMichael, Dr. Self and Dr. Lumpy there at ACU and uh, they they were central because I it was at a critical point. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I don't know how I can continue to do this, but they pulled together and pulled me through. And I'm, I'm very grateful that, for that. And I would, I would be happy to elaborate on it if it will help somebody. Yes, absolutely. I thank you for this time. So we will get together again soon. I look forward to it, Dr. Gerard. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. DuPont.